yesterday but think you were somebody of great authority. Good afternoon everybody, is that on? Is it, can you hear me at the back? Yes. Uh, well, welcome to this uh, seminar and uh, the, <coughs> the theme of this afternoon's seminar is words of knowledge. Now, I don't know what you think you're coming to, uh, but we'll try to explain what people on the panel here think a word of knowledge is and how they have been helped by words of knowledge. And uh, uh, maybe even the Lord might give someone a word of knowledge this afternoon uh, that will bless somebody here. My name is Harold Miller. I was for a long time the Bishop of Dundramore in the Church of Ireland and uh, actually was at the very first summer madness. And I was in England recently and met someone out of the blue who told me that he'd been at that very first summer madness and he's now an ordained clergy person. Uh, so over the years, that story is replicated. People who come to faith through summer madness, people who grow deeper in their knowledge of God through summer madness, uh, people who have real powerful experiences of call in summer madness, and uh, my prayers that that would happen at this summer madness, and even maybe at this little workshop or seminar today. Uh, the panel is a very erudite panel. I was going to suggest that between... Between the four of us, there would be a prize for anybody who can guess the average age, uh, because uh, we've all been around for a long time, some of us longer than others, and uh, everybody on the panel has been in some way involved in uh, the move of the Holy Spirit I suppose it uh, was focused in charismatic renewal in the 1970s, but it's continued in different ways since then. So I'm going to start at the far end, and we've got Marasina, Marasina is the proper pronunciation, Scots Gaelic, uh, Stanfield, and Marasina is the minister of First Bangor Presbyterian Church. And beside her is Derek McKelvey, who was the minister at one time of Fisherwick and is now retired. And on this side, Father Pat Collins, uh, who really has been around since the very beginning of Charismatic Renewal and is from Dublin. And what I'm going to do is just have a prayer and then I'll ask each of them to tell you a little bit about themselves. Yeah? Each of them to say a little bit about themselves and also to say how they came uh, to an understanding and experience of using the gifts of the Holy Spirit or being blessed by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's just pray. Father, we commit this time to you. And we pray, Lord, that every single person here this afternoon uh, would, would learn something more about you uh, would be drawn more into your will and purpose for their lives and would go out of this place knowing that you, the God of the universe, through the power of the Spirit, make Jesus real even today. To the glory of his name. Amen. 
So we'll start again with ladies first. Afternoon, everyone. Um, so as Harold says, I'm a Presbyterian minister. I've been uh, ordained for about 33 years. So the difference between me and these men is I color my hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I have two adult sons and two grandchildren. So I'm a granny and I love that. Um, how did I get involved? I was 20, nearly 21 years, the minister of a church in Balnehinge, first Balnehinge. And I went there in 1994. And I think it was about two years later that Derek, and he'll share a little bit about his journey. Derek and Helen, his wife, invited my husband and I, David. David is also a Presbyterian minister to uh, something called the Hensel course. And we couldn't go to the first one, we had, and so we went to the second one. Our, our second son was just a baby at this point. And what happened there was, we, prior to going, David and I would have said, there must be more to our Christian journey than this. And, and there was. And at that time, I'd gone as a young woman to a congregation and unbeknown to me, unconsciously, I had said, I'm going to show them that a woman can do this. But what that meant was I got on a, a bit of a hamster wheel and I tried to be all things to all people and I, I just got exhausted. And I, what the Lord revealed to me was I was doing things in my own strength and not in his. And so by the time this Hensel course came, we were so ready for something. We were so ready for more of God and an understanding of who he was. Uh, you know, we Presbyterians pride ourselves on, on knowing and preaching the word. But we, we kind of joke and say we're a, a church of Father, Son, and Holy Book. But the reality is, the reality is that's true. The, the, we got very little teaching and encouragement about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And so we knew that that's what was missing we went to the Hensel course, and I can still remember all these nearly 30 years later, uh, an Anglican sitting across from me, prophetically praying. And he said to me this, Marishina, I have this sense, the Lord has shown me uh, that you have just recently had a, a bereavement. And that was my mother, who had died when I was six months pregnant. And he said... He's also shown me that you have not really fully grieved. And that was true, A, because I was six months pregnant and about to have a baby, and then I was doing a master's uh, degree as well. And that word that day allowed me to grieve. I just, it was like, oh my goodness. And the floodgates came and the healing began, and that was all because the Lord had given them a supernatural revelation that he did not know we'd never met about my circumstance. And that was the beginning, Harold, for us. Well, I have to go back a few more years. I've been ordained for 52 years, um, but in 1990, we had... Uh, team from St. Aldate's in Oxford came to our church and um, blew us away by praying for people. And we, I was in Bally Gilbert at that time, which is the church you pass when you're going to Bangor, North Down, you know, North Down. <laughs> and uh, 
just absolutely transformed and we as a result went on a Hensel course in England in St Andrews Chorley Wood and the teaching was wonderful and but about two-thirds way through the course Anne Watson came and she only came in for the evening deliberately so that she wouldn't know anything about us now very short version the pregnancy that was me way back nearly miscarried twice and my mother promised God that she would give this baby to God the way Hannah gave Samuel. Helen knew that, I knew that, practically nobody else did. When she got to the end and I started to think, mm, I'm not sure about this prophecy, word of knowledge bit, she said, I'll demonstrate it. And she talked to a clergyman and his wife over there. And everything she said, I thought, mm, every clergyman thinks like that. Every minister's wife thinks like that. That was my, that's where I was sitting. She turned around and said, Helen and Derek, you're next. And she looked at me and she said, Derek, you were called before you were born, weren't you? Now that's why I know that God knows everything. And if we're willing to listen, he will tell it to us. Hence, we brought the Hensel courses here, and that's her bit of the story. Thank you, uh, Pat. I think I first met you a long time ago with Cecil Kerr in Dublin when I was a student in Trinity. Mm. That's, you don't remember that, but I do. Uh, can you tell us how you came into this understanding? Well, I'm fascinated because, like Derek, I'm 52 years ordained. And... Um, when I came out uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I was very conscientious. But after about three years working in Northern Ireland um, during the time of the Troubles, I realized something was missing. Now, I could not put my finger on what I was looking for. I spoke to lots of lay friends about it. And they said, ah, Pat, what are you talking about? You, you know, you're doing just fine. And that didn't console me in the slightest. I said, no, there's something missing in my life. I just don't know what it is. Now, to cut a much longer story short, I ended up in Ross Trevor um, in 1974. And Cecil was speaking about peace, of course, mainly in Northern Ireland. And he literally moved me to tears. And I remember looking at him and thinking, that man has what I'm looking for. I, again, I don't know exactly what it is, but he has it, and I haven't got it. And I can say, as, an, as a Catholic, this was a bit humbling, because I was thinking, Jeepers, that Church of Ireland man has what I'm looking for. But um, anyway, I, I went to him afterwards, and Cecil was very intuitive. I, it, we didn't have to talk at all. And he realized I was looking for something. So we met privately and he prayed for me. This was the 4th of February, 1974. And I was baptized very powerfully in the Holy Spirit, began to pray in tongues. And I really just feel as if Jesus had walked over to me, walked through the walls of my body and was living within me. And I could see that the, the thing that was missing was, like a lot of Catholics, I knew a good deal about the person of Jesus without knowing Jesus in person. And that once I received the power of the Holy Spirit, he became the most real 
person to me and, and remains so to this day. So that was the beginning of a new beginning. And then afterwards, I'm a bit nerdy, I read a lot, and I started reading books by Catherine Cullman where she would describe miracles that had taken place. And I just found these amazing. I'd be reading them in bed at night, sometimes the tears running down my face, and I'd say, this is, this is just extraordinary. And she did it all by means of words of knowledge, with which I wasn't familiar at the time. But then soon after that, I began to get strange words of knowledge myself. Totally gratuitous. I would have no control over it. But I would know things about people, and I wouldn't know how I knew them. And they would turn out to be completely accurate. So um, that was my introduction to both the healing ministry and to words of knowledge. And in a world where the supernatural is in crisis at the moment, one of the most powerful antidotes when you experience it are words of knowledge, because they just cannot be explained in rational terms. Uh, Pat, uh, you were just observing all the number young people who are here, uh, and for many of you, there will be names that have been mentioned already that you won't know who those are. Uh, Anne Watson was the wife of, a, uh, is the widow of a very famous uh, leader of renewal in the 1970s called David Watson, who was very often uh, here in Ireland. And uh, then Cecil Kerr was the person who set up the Christian Renewal Center in Ross Trevor in the middle of the Troubles. That's and right. uh, th those were two very great giants of the faith uh, who have been a blessing, I think, to all of us uh, here in this panel today. Now, uh, you talked about words of knowledge. Uh, if I were to ask everybody here to write down what you think a word of knowledge is, uh, you might find it difficult to define. Uh, I am assuming, but th I think wrongly so, I am assuming that we're talking about that phrase in 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul is listing out a whole range of gifts that uh, have been given to the church through the ascended Christ. And he says there are words of wisdom or utterances of wisdom, uh, messages of wisdom, and messages or utterances or words of knowledge. Now, I'm going to ask them, first of all, what do you think St. Paul meant by that, Derek? I think St. Paul meant that God sometimes tells us things in all sorts of ways. I, I, the example I would give first is, how did Jesus operate if he was fully human? And I, if I want a, an example of a word of knowledge, he arrives at a well, and I know everybody groans when I go to John 4 because it's a favorite passage. But he arrives at a well, and a woman comes to lift water in the middle of the day, which is weird, odd, totally not what you do. So he says to his father, why is she coming in the middle of the day? And his father tells him that she's been married five times, hasn't got round to marrying the man she's with now, and therefore is persona non grata, not liked in the village. So she comes on her own. And then he has, I think, what I would call a word of wisdom. Instead of saying, I need to talk to you about the way you're living, where she would have told him 
two words, the second of which would have been off. Um, <laughs> and, um, in Greek, of course, yes. Uh, but uh, instead, what she, he does is he says, give me a drink. And honors her and talks to her and then says, call your husband. And only when she says she hasn't one. Because that's how a word of knowledge works. He says, yes, you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. Um, and she's acknowledging it because she's honored him and he's offered it gently and lovingly. I'm going to ask, going to ask Pat, because I think you had a slightly different angle on the idea of words of knowledge. Pat, uh, rooted in the prophetic gift rather than just in that verse. Isn't that right? Well, now this is, this is kind of going into scripture a bit precisely. Um, I would argue that the utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge are rooted in the gifts of wisdom and knowledge mentioned in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Upon him will rest a spirit of wisdom and knowledge, probably a reference to the coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. Now, scripture scholars argue about what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. And the truth is they're not agreed. But I think I would be representing the more general consensus to say that wisdom is a knowledge of God's will, a precise knowledge of God's will in particular circumstances, whereas knowledge is an insight into the Christian mysteries. And people who have the gift of the utterance of wisdom are very good at speaking up in community gatherings mm -hmm. and saying, I think this is what God wants us to do. And they do it in a persuasive way. Whereas those with the gift of knowledge are the preachers and the teachers. They have a God-given ability to make rather obscure matters kind of uh, intelligible and they're articulate in speaking about those things. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to what's confusing is that I think the word of knowledge is actually a subsection of the gift of prophecy, which is undoubtedly the greatest of all the gifts. Do you remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14.1? Make love your aim, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, most of all that you may prophesy. So mm -hmm. I am utterly persuaded that the most common form that the gift of prophecy takes is the word of knowledge. And Varsina, if I were to ask you, because you are a preacher, uh, and if I were to say to you, well, is that not most naturally experienced in preaching, uh, that you get wisdom and you get knowledge and understanding, uh, but is the, is, the, is the a word of knowledge different from that or part of it? A definition maybe to help some of you that I've heard about the difference between words of wisdom and the word of knowledge is that words of wisdom, as Pat said, is the, the kind of general, the bigger picture. So it's like the person who knows where, where all the pieces of the jigsaw go has that wisdom, but the word of knowledge is that particular piece of the jigsaw going in. And that's a very simplistic help, uh, definition, but I kind of find it helpful. Um, I think it's both and. So I, I like to think that as I am preparing 
teaching every for every Sunday that the Lord by his spirit is is helping me and guiding me and pointing uh, pointing me to the right place to the, uh, the right scriptures to a sense of what he wants to say to the congregation based on my pastoral relationship with them of course but there have been times where I have um, very late in the, ga- the the day heard the Lord saying something very clearly to me in, in, the, in prayer in that moment where I've scrapped it all and I've, uh, and I've preached about something else. So, for example, let me give you an example. The first time it ever happened to me was way back, for those of you who uh, will, are of a certain age here today, you'll remember when Titanic came out for the very first time. I think it was in the early 2000s, something like that. And a, a group of us went. I had my sermon prepared. It was all there uh, for the following Sunday. It was a Saturday night. A group of us went to the movies. Um, and I was sitting in, in the movie theater that night. And within two minutes, the Lord said to me, take notice of everything, Marishina. And right at that moment, the first scenes are of the first-class passengers being up, enjoying the comfort and the beautiful food and the china, and it goes right down immediately to the men working their butts off, throwing the coal into the fire and never stopping. And the Lord started to reveal to me, this is the church, and I want you to watch. And right to to the end of the movie where some of the the boats, the lifeboats, wouldn't go back, if you remember, because they were too frightened to save the guys that were in the water. If you haven't seen it, watch it. And and again, he was saying to me, that's the church. You're so busy looking after yourself. You've you've let the lost go. And I came home one o'clock in the morning, and it was like God downloaded something. And that, that was the bigger, that was the bigger picture. As I say, I think, I hope it's being in ch- being open to the the voice of God the, the Lord you know my sheep will hear my voice I was brought up in a very traditional Presbyterian uh, church in Scotland I didn't I hadn't been taught about any of that I hadn't been taught that God speaks and I would be able to hear him I had been taught that you speak and God might listen to you through prayer I hadn't been taught that prayer was a two-way relationship or that God was a, a God who, who wants to reveal himself to us and that we are called to listen. And that's been a, a, a huge and important journey for me. So those of you who are young and you're maybe only beginning your Christian life, you, you need to know that God, as Derek said, God loves you incredibly, but he loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you, but he wants it to be a two-way thing. He wants to tell you and teach you things from his heart to yours. Supernatural things, as Pat calls it, says. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, read that later. You'll understand more about what God's heart is for you to learn. Could I just ask you to continue for a moment? Yeah. Uh, Just in relation to God speaking to you, some people might well be saying, but I'm a fallen, sinful human being. Uh, I'm not going to hear 
correctly all the time so therefore I have to be a little bit careful about that yes because you know the kind of person who says the Lord has told me this about you or whatever it is mm-hmm. so uh, how would you encourage people to discern to filter to test uh, what might be a word from God well one of the ways I would I would talk about that is I have been married for 38 years when my before mobile phones gave you the name of the person who was ringing if my home phone went and I picked up the phone I knew before David my husband said that it was him I knew it was him because of the breath and if he was somewhere the other day in general assembly I was looking for him I couldn't find him he was three rows behind me he coughed and I knew it was him So what I'm saying to you is you discern clearer, more clearly the voice of God when you're in intimate relationship with him. If you choose to to go after him, one of the most important things, Harold, is you've got to get to know the word of God. That is the number. Uh, uh, Jesus is the word made flesh. The, the, the canon of scripture is the established word of God. He will not reveal to us anything that is outside his word. Um, I had a woman who told me one time, oh, God has told me that I have to go off and leave my husband and five children mm-hmm. to do something. And I said, well, can you please show me in the scriptures where that would be right? So you... so. Anything that you hear is based on relationship. Get to know him. Get to know his voice. You will, you will yourself personally know when it's him if you have put the time and the energy into seeking to know his, his, his voice through the word of God, through prayer, through taking time to meditate and making time for him in your relationship for him. You will never grow in the things of the spirit if you just want a wee quick, you know, God, tell me what to do now. It is based on relationship and it's based on dependency and on trust. But you will know when it's him if you go on that journey, just as you would know it when the person who loves you, you know his voice without or her voice because you're in relationship with him. I'm going to ask Derek, because Derek used to come uh, to the curates and down in Dromore in our house and lecture them on John's gospel. And very often then would go around and pray with people and have a little word for them, sometimes a very powerful word. But have you ever seen it go wrong? Um, what I was going to say is that <laughs> Uh, and this, uh, he's been, uh, on, the, he's com- been on the BBC I'm, I'm, too I'm, often. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming to what you're saying. Um, the um, I don't like people coming to me and saying the Lord has told me because I think it's arrogant. And I have taught people to prayer ministry, how to pray with people and listen to God for people for 30 years now. And I always say, you offer anything you think you're hearing like a feather on your hand. Mm. And you say, I maybe rushed my hot dog at lunchtime, uh, but there's something in my head. Do you mind if I share it with you? And if you offer words like that, if it's God, the person will know immediately it is God. 
And after all, they're told to test the spirits to see if they're of God. Um, and I would have to say, more often than not, when I have felt instinctively in my testing of the spirits that this isn't, it was when somebody came to me and said, I have a word from the Lord for you. Yes. When they assumed that they were hearing right and that they were compelled to give it to me. I know in part and I prophesy in part. That's what the scripture tells me. It tells me I will sometimes get it wrong. And therefore, I offer it gently. And if the person acknowledges it, so be it. I have had people who've come to me and say, five years ago, you said such and such to me. And I knew it was right, but I, there was no way I was going to own up to it. But I have now, and I just want to let you know you were right. But equally, I've been wrong. I know I've been wrong. But if I offer it gently, and how do I know? Well, I like funny stories. I bashed my head one day and was taken to the Ulster Hospital A&E because I didn't know who the President of the United States was, and he was Donald Trump, so like... Uh, <laughs> But that I didn't was easily forgotten, wasn't easily, it? No, not easily forgotten. And, I, and I, I told them the Prime Minister was John Major, and he was about four back. You know. Anyway, long story short, when the doctor had seen me and all the rest of it, and I was now being discharged, and I was okay, he said, aren't you a minister? And I said, yes. He says, where were you? And I said, I was in Fishwick. I thought that. He says, you know, I was a medical student, and I had a reset to do. And because I had failed the exam on the, on the skull and on the head and on the, all the nerves and all the things on it. And I, I really, I, I knew I had the exam on the Monday morning. On Sunday evening at about six o'clock, a friend came in and says, come on, we'll go to Fisherwick. And he said, I said, no, I can't because I have to know everything about this head. I have to know the muscles. I have to know the nerves. I have to know the insides. I have to know it all by tomorrow. He says, you've been at it long enough. Come to Fisherwick. So I said, okay, I'll go. And I went for prayer afterwards for the exam. And he said, the man who was praying for me seemed really quite concerned. And he said, look, I have something in my head which really, I'm not sure what it means. Would you mind if I told you it? And I said, yeah. Well, he says, I see a skull and there are flames coming out of the eye sockets and the nose sockets and, and I burst out laughing because the last thing I said to my friend was, yes, I'll go, I'm fed up with this flaming skull. <laughs> <laughs> but what he knew from that man being willing to say something that really was disturbing him was that God knew all about what was going on in that guy's life and that he knew he had an exam tomorrow and he knew he was in a bad place. And sometimes it'll be funny like that. Sometimes it'll just be simply telling you something that reminds you of what you really are trying or feeling you might think. But that's how I understand them. And how do you know if they're wrong? If it doesn't match with you, let it go like the feather on your hand. Now, uh, just uh, some of the things that have been said uh, are bringing to my mind two or three key words. Uh, one is that words of knowledge are often 
intuitive. There's an intuition. Uh, uh, if I'm going to use big words here because you look all very intelligent. They're intuitive. They should be presented in a tentative kind of way. Uh, in other words, you say, well, let's look at this. It might be right. But that seems very different from the prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, and the, they're, they're rooted, you were saying, Pat, in the prophetic ministry. Uh, they, they weren't so often, uh, well, they weren't so often tentative. They were definitely intuitive. Are those key words for you? Not really. I, I would give uh, words of knowledge marks out of 10. So, so sometimes I will have an eight or a nine. I'm pretty certain I'm, I'm correct. Other times it's down at two and three. Now, I've often found that the ones that are only two and three are actually correct. So, but I, I, I just think it's presumption uh, to, to say this is what the Lord is saying and say, I get the impression that this is what the Lord might be saying. And it's up to the person to own it and see does it correspond. But I, I just want to say that there are, there are four kinds of words of knowledge which those of us who are exercising this gift would be familiar with. Now, the first one is very handy when somebody needs what we call inner healing. So say somebody comes to, to me and says, I am... I, I'm suffering from agoraphobia. I can't go, or, or claustrophobia, which is more common. I'm suffering from claustrophobia. I can't be in enclosed spaces. Now, I'd, my first thing would be, well, have you gone to a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist to explore maybe the roots of your, your fear in the past? Now, I remember one particular man saying, yes, I've, I've been to a number of psychiatrists, but nobody can discover any cause. Now, actually, this wasn't a word of knowledge that I got myself. I, I sent this, uh, it was actually a priest, uh, to another priest that I knew who was from County Cavan. And I knew he was powerful in words of knowledge. And the man's name was Sean Connerty, the priest that I sent him to. And I said, do you want any background information on this man that I'm sending you? He said, the less I know, the better. And when my friend went in for help, Sean said, let's pray. Now, after about five minutes, he said, you fell off your father's back into a shallow river when you were three years of age and you nearly drowned. And instantly, the whole memory came back. And uh, when Sean Connerty prayed about that particular trauma, your man had no claustrophobia from that day onwards. Now, I've certainly done the same sort of thing myself with people who needed inner healing and say, well, if the psychiatrist can't find the answer, maybe the Lord who searches everything will reveal it to me if it's for this person's good. The second way in which it often happens is at healing services where you're praying more for physical healing and I've been doing a lot of healing services in the last six weeks and we've just seen one healing after another taking place but I'll just recount one example I was out in Sicily a few weeks ago and we had about 800 people for four days at a particular event and we had a healing service each day and by the end of the week there was a big line of people queuing up to tell their story of how they'd been healed 
all as a result of words of knowledge. But because I don't speak Italian, I didn't know what they were talking about. So I'm ask, actually asking the Lord, is there any word you want to give me while these people are speaking? So he said, yeah, there's somebody in the, there were more than one word of knowledge, but I'll just recount one. He said, there's somebody with a very bad shoulder on their left-hand side, and they've dull pain all the time, and acute play, pain some of the time, and they, this person can't raise their hand any higher than this. So I mentioned this, and when the service was over, no less than four women came in and said, I'm the person that that word was for. So they all had the same symptoms, and all four of them were healed, and were swinging their arms around and saying, look at this. The next day, myself and my translator, we were going to the airport in Palermo, and the, tra the, the taxi driver said, you know, I was at your healing service last night. And he said, I'm the one whose shoulder was healed. <laughs> he knew nothing about the four women. And he said, I, I was at an electronic barrier, and the barrier came down on my shoulder, damaged it badly. I've been in pain ever since, and I haven't been able to raise my arm any higher than that. But he said, the instant you mentioned it at the healing service, my shoulder was healed. Now look, I can move my arm around in any direction. And then he said, actually, I also had a bad back as a result of two falls and haven't been sleeping for a few years uh, because of the pain. But he said, at the same time that my shoulder was healed, so was my back. Now, it, we, we've been seeing one healing after another over the last few weeks as a result of words of knowledge. A woman with a patella in her knee healed overnight. Another person who was absolutely covered with psoriasis underneath their clothes. Uh, word of knowledge for them, it was all gone by Wednesday. The word of knowledge was on a Saturday. Um, you see, so uh, another woman c comes shouting up to the front of one of the healing services, I'm healed, I'm healed. She had problems with both shoulders and there was a word of knowledge about that, and she was healed. Another woman with an eating disorder, where we gave very specific information about her eating disorder, which would only apply to the one person, and she said, every word you said was what was wrong with me. Now, I don't know whether she was healed, because I, I didn't get time to check up. So that's another way in which he, uh, the word of knowledge is powerful. Another way is in intercessory prayer, that instead of praying for things that come into our natural mind, we say, Lord, what do you think we should pray for? Now, Cecil's wife was very powerful in this. She would get words of knowledge. And I remember one day when she was in intercession, she got a word of knowledge that a car was going to be stolen in Belfast. She even named the road where it was going to go. And she prayed fervently with other people that the bomb would fail to go off. And Everything she described was accurate. It was all in the paper the next day. But she had told us the previous night. See, that's the word of knowledge guiding intercessory prayer. And another one which may strike you as strange is, you can get a word of knowledge about who's going to die. Unfortunately, I get those, I won't say regularly, but I've gotten quite a number. And I tell people beforehand, I know that so-and-so is going to die in the near future. It actually even happened with my own mother. There was nothing wrong with her. 
And I was telling people, sad to say, my poor mother is going to die in the near future. And she did. She just dropped dead. And um, another one is that I will know the moment a person dies, I will know. Now, here's a weird one. One day, I was just daydreaming. And there's a road in Dublin where my grandfather used to live. And my mind drifted to that road. And then I saw a house across the road which was owned by English people that my mother knew very well. And I knew that she met my father in that house. And I knew they had two daughters, Una and Nula. And I'm looking at the two girls. I can't distinguish which is which. But when I'm looking at one of them, it comes into my mind, her husband has died this instant. Now, I didn't know her married name. I didn't know where she lived. So I didn't think there was any way that I could, you know, verify whether the word of knowledge was true. I prayed fervently for him, by the way, as a result of the word of knowledge. But my sister is a solicitor, and I met her a few weeks after this event, and she said, Would, do you remember those Samsons that lived on the Hoth Road? I met one of them to do a conveyance for her, and she told me that her sister's husband died three weeks ago. And we checked the, the calendar, and it was the day and the hour that I knew he had died. Now, how on earth do you explain that? See, Marissa, it's not... You were describing inspirations. We're not talking about inspirations. You get inspirations in prayer, and we all get them hopefully every day. This is beyond inspirations. These are revelations to your heart. And they have nothing to do with your previous knowledge, your previous experience, your intelligence. They are just dropped into your mind by God for a creative and good purpose. There's always a good purpose. Now, sometimes you'll misfire. You'll think, I got a word of knowledge, and it turns out not to be accurate. And that's why we should be tentative. But the more experienced you become, the more the more sure you'll be, yes, I'm genuinely, as Marisa said, you get to know the true voice from the false voice. Thank you. Um, uh, I think that's a very, a very helpful kind of illustration of several different types of words of knowledge. I want to just ask a question. You know the way in the list of Paul's, uh, of gifts that Paul's Paul gives, both in, in Corinthians and Ephesians, uh, there are evangelists and there are prophets, and then he says to everybody to do the work of an evangelist. Uh, is it the same with words of knowledge? Are there particular people who have a particular gifting in this area? And, and if so, are they the only ones who should exercise it, or should everybody kind of be open to the possibility? I believe if you read 1 Corinthians 12 that the first part of the chapter, it says that these are available to everyone. Later in the chapter, it lists ministries where people are particularly gifted in prophecy or particularly gifted as apostles. Uh, but I believe everyone can hear God and everyone can, it's just a case of tuning, as Maracena said, tuning yourself to him and listening 
And it can be, I think it's important to say, sometimes it'll be a phrase, sometimes it'll be a picture that you can see inside your head, sometimes it might be a feeling you've got a pain in your knee that you didn't have before you sat down to pray, and yes, someone with a pain in their knee in exactly the way you describe is present. Um, and sometimes it will be, we got a new member of the church in Fisherwick because a girl came along and on the night she came, someone described her sitting really anxious and praying at a kitchen table and described the oilcloth that was on the kitchen table and the curtains that were behind it. And she said, I went out home that night. I didn't go for prayer because I had an appointment the next day to get the results of tests. And they'd just described the kitchen table I'd sat at before I came out and prayed that the results would be okay. And the word was that the whole thing was at peace. And that's right, the results were okay. Mercy, sorry, Mercy, no, sorry. we'll be finishing soon. And I'm just kind of saying to the group that uh, if anyone does have a word of knowledge that may be for anyone here today, and we may not, we, we've no particular uh, expectation whether we will or won't, and uh, we're not going to make it up. But uh, I'm aware that other people might say, well, you know, there are like, uh, there are horoscopes and fortune tellers, and uh, this sounds a little bit like that sometimes. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, how do you distinguish between what is a godly word of knowledge and what is a counterfeit word of knowledge? I think Pat spoke those words just earlier there that um, a word of knowledge that's from the Lord will will only bring good and pos something that's positive and and healing and love into your life. Um, if if it is not the Lord, then then it won't do that. One of the things that I often tell people is whenever the the Lord speaks to you, something maybe you're wondering um, under conviction. The Lord will be very specific to you, whereas the enemy will tell you, you're just rubbish, you're useless, you're rubbish. So you be again, it's back to you begin to, to understand whose, whose voice it is. But on the issue of tarot cards, psychics and all the rest of it, um, uh, yes, they, they hear, but it's a counterfeit, counterfeit spirit. So it's the enemy. So please never, especially you young people, never go to anything like that because it has spiritual, deep spiritual consequences for you. And if you have been to something like that, um, that I really encourage you to go and get prayer ministry later and, and just tell the person who's praying for you, confess it and ask them just to, to uh, pray into that and to, to bring healing over it. Um, can, can I yeah. just say that that itself maybe a little word of knowledge yeah uh, yeah you know yeah. there may be yeah. somebody here who's uh, unwittingly dabbled in some of these things and yeah. and there will be uh, bishop ken will say in a moment about w w an opportunity later on today for ministry can uh, i can i Oh, oh. I like to go to that. Like to, to go, go to that. that. I do. I do. <laughs> I just, I just want to share something yeah. that happened uh, within the last four weeks because I want to share a story that's. Uh, 
it's put me off in, apart from anything else um, of how in a simple way a word of knowledge can transform a life so we have a lady in the congregation and I've been, I've been there 10 years and this lady has been struggling for those 10 years she doesn't think she's good enough she doesn't think that she can do anything she's, she has had a level of latent depression all that time you look at her, she will cry. Uh, she has so boundaried her life that she can do not. She did nothing outside of taking her two teen, late teenage children to wherever they needed to go. And, and all the conversation that you had with this lady was all about them. And I remember many times coming home and, and just going, Lord, I, I don't know what more to do. Don't know what more to do with this lady. I've tried. I've given her so much time, energy, pastoral care. Please, Lord. A month ago, Sunday morning worship, I had said to my worship uh, director, I think we need to sing Jesus Loves Me. Haven't sung it for decades. And Mark, my worship leader, said, fine. Got up. Said uh, at the beginning, he did, not me at the beginning of the song, folks, we're going to sing this. My sense, our sense is that somebody here today needs to know Jesus loves them. That was all he said. End of the service, she runs up. She's weeping and that's for me, that's for me. We, she was prayed for. Four weeks later, you wouldn't recognize this woman. She is reading. She hasn't read apparently for 20 years. Hasn't read anything for 20 years. She's reading vociferously. Everything that she can get about the Lord, about the, the walk of discipleship, everything. She looks different. She, the, the, the dullness, the darkness has gone. She's actually wearing different clothes because part of her thought was, I'm useless, I'm unattractive, I'm nothing. A simple listening and speaking it out in love and offering it has transformed that woman's life. And one other little Very test. briefly. Very briefly. If you get a word from the Lord, it sets you free. Yeah. And you won't feel that you have to go back to the person who gave it to you again. If you go to tarot cards or a fortune teller, you'll find that you're compelled to go back and go back and go back because it hooks you in. It doesn't set you free, it binds you. Now, uh, I'm going to say, first of all, let's just have about two minutes of silence, and it may be that the Lord will plant something in uh, some of our hearts and minds. It may be that at the end of it, uh, one of the three will want to bring a little word to us, or even a big word to us. So just let's be present to the Lord for about two minutes. And Lord, if you're speaking into any of our hearts and lives at the moment, uh, even tentatively, we pray that we would, like uh, Blessed Mary, ponder these things in our hearts and be glad to obey if you want us to speak. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, the words of the song, the child, children's song, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. 
<laughs> very good. But I felt the Lord was saying, for some of you, maybe one of you, you haven't. Uh, the enemy has robbed you of joy. And the Lord sees it. And, and my sense was he wants to do a work of divine exchange for you today. Um, and then I felt one of you is no some people will say of you you're as quiet as a mouse and that might be true in your personality but the lord wants to say wants my sense is that the lord wants to call you out to give you strength and to give you courage for the call that he has placed on your life whatever that call is but you you don't need to live under that phrase quiet as a mouse and the third thing was I saw a picture of an old knife with the, the words, you've been cut to the heart. And again, my sense is that someone has said something to you, and it could have even been today. It feels like it's been recent, but whatever they have said to you has just literally cut you to the heart. And I believe that the Lord would offer you healing uh, for that today. When you asked us to pray, I was drawn back again to the floor. Um, must be that I didn't shut my eyes when I prayed. Um, but I'd seen it earlier. There is grass growing up between the boards that have been laying on the floor. And I feel that there's someone probably, or maybe more, who have they have heard the Lord, and they've had this kind of knowledge, but they've never done anything with it, and everything around them seems to be putting big planks on top of it to stop you using it. You're not being given the opportunity, you're not being allowed, but like the grass that'll even find the crack between the plank boards, the Lord wants you to come up out and do what you're called to do. Grass grows because it's grass. If the Lord's speaking to you, He's speaking to you because he loves you and he wants you to use it. Anything you want to say? No, no. Well, uh, what I suggest now is if, first of all, if Bishop Ken would like to just say a little word about how you can deal with things if the Lord is speaking to you. On your program, you will have seen on the app that there is, and there has been throughout this uh, festival, a prophetic ministry appointment system. And at five o'clock today in the salt factory, there is another one. And it is, you're meant to make an appointment. And if you've done that, that's good. But I've spoken to those who are in charge and they say, if anyone strongly feels you want to follow up something from this seminar, you can go there at five o'clock and they will help you to do that. The salt factory at 5 p.m. That's, uh, that's great because that gives you a little time to ponder, a little time to get, let things marinate, as it were. Uh, and then, but if God is saying something, and if one of those words is for you, please follow it up at 5 o'clock or with your youth leaders or whoever it may be, somebody you can trust. So just a word of thanks to Father Pat Collins, to Reverend Derek McKelvey and to the Reverend Marashina Stanfield for their accumulated years of wisdom. And I reckon the average age on this panel, including me, is a bit over 70. 
Give them a round of applause.